So God told him, he says, I want you to walk around Jericho seven times. How many of y'all, y'all can walk? And then on the last time, he says, and then on the, and he says, and then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it. Just keep walking. And then I want you to, to shout. He said, I just want you to lift up your voice. Pretty unusual. But how many of y'all think every person in here, how many of y'all can walk? I mean, it may be, maybe not as good as you used to, right? Depending upon your age. But everybody in here can walk. How many of y'all have a voice? There's no mutes in here. Everybody has a voice. So he just required something of them very simple. If you remember Gideon, I mean, the, Gideon, he said, I'm from the worst tribe. I'm in the worst family. I'm the worst member of my tribe. I mean, he just, he had a lot going against him. And God told Gideon, he said, Gideon, I want you to get you a bunch of clay pots. And I want you to break clay pots. How many of y'all think you can break clay pots? Pretty simple, but pretty unusual strategy for war. Don't you agree? I mean, pretty strange. You just want me to, to, to break clay pots. And yet something happened whenever they broke those clay pots. The enemy thought that there was this great adversity and they all ran off. I mean, but everybody in here, we, we would all agree that you could break clay pots, right? I mean, that God doesn't, many times, he doesn't require us to do difficult things. Not, not tough things. Uh, speaking's not tough, walking's not tough, breaking clay pots is not tough, but they are kind of unusual type things. How many of you remember whenever Jesus came up to that man who was mute, couldn't talk, and Jesus put spit on his hand and put his spit in that man's mouth? Now that's, that, how many of you know it wasn't hard for that man to stand there and let somebody else spit in his mouth? But how many of you know that's kind of unusual? If I walked up to Brent and said, Brent, let me spit in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, I know it wouldn't be difficult for Brent to, to, to but, but it would be very unusual, just a, a, a different type of response. And uh, a lot of times God asks us or, or wants us to do a very simple things that can have profound results. How many of you ever been sitting uh, in a service and you felt like whenever the altar call came, you should lift your hand? I mean, I don't know how simple that is. I mean, I mean, and you've done it a million times. I mean, you've lifted your hand a thousand different ways for a thousand different times. And yet in that moment, you're thinking, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. There's been times for me as a pastor, pastors, pastors do not respond to altar calls, y'all. We don't. We can't because we're pastors, right? That, that's, that's what we tell ourselves. But there's been times whenever I would be sitting there listening to somebody teach and they would give an altar. They would say, if, you, if you're having struggles with this or you're having, you're having problems with this, I just want you to lift your hand. And then all of a sudden, I, there's this inner turmoil, right? That, how many of you have had that turmoil before? There's inner turmoil. It's like, I can't lift my hands. What are they going to think about me? I'm the one that's supposed to be helping people with these types of things. But, you know, and then you muster up, you know, the courage to do it. Uh, praying that he doesn't want you to stand, right? <laughs> right? Because now, now we're going around the wall a second time. It's like, oh, God, I'll go around one time, but I can't go around this wall. The second time, he's like, now if you would just stand up right where you are. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> now what are they going to think, you know? And then you stand, and then he wants you to do what sometimes? Oh, come to the front. Now everybody, I mean, you can do this hand raise. Like, you know, you can get away with some of these things. And while people got their head down, they think, oh, they won't, they won't, they won't see me because their heads are down. But, but then whenever, oh, now we got to go down to the front. I mean, now you've just rounded the wall the seventh time. And then he gives you some instructions, right? And, and, and there's, there's these instructions, simple things. 
How many y'all know raise your hands? Very simple. Standing up, so simple. Walking, so simple. And yet, I don't know about you, I found those simple acts of obedience can yield pretty profound results, life-changing results. So I want to look here in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, and none of that's uh, in my notes, but it, it goes along with 2 Kings chapter 5. We're in a series called Healing is Here, and uh, I, I was, I'm not going to recap everything that we've done so far, but I want to show you this passage of scripture in 2 Kings, and then we'll get back to some of the other things. I do want to say hello to all the online people, because lots of our people are traveling this week out of town. So glad to have all of you here, and uh, can't wait to be back with you. 2 Kings chapter 5, this is a story of a man named Naaman. And uh, we're talking about healing. And I'll just tell you, I had another one of these experiences last week. I was at a church. I was at a meeting. And uh, oh my gosh, it was gut-wrenching. Uh, because I was standing in the service and I felt like the Lord wanted me to go down to the front and actually say something on the microphone. That was terrible. I was just like, and I, and I speak, you know, I speak obviously as a, as a, that's what I do. I speak every week, but I was standing in the middle of the service and I felt like the Lord just wanted me to go to, to share something. So immediately I start having this, whatever, <laughs> Jesus, you don't lost your mind because if you think I'm going to walk down in the middle of this service and stop everything and get up on the stage and do this thing that you're wanting me to do. You are crazy. Uh, you know, so I just resisted it. And how many of y'all know he was, wasn't a hard thing to do? Just walking, baby. Just walking. Just walking and talking. But I said, man, I'm not going to do that. But he just wouldn't leave me alone. How many of y'all know if you, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he, sometimes he won't leave you alone. Now, I could have just left. You know, I was tempted to just bolt. Right? I was just tempted <laughs> to just stick my finger in my ears and go away. But I knew that I just knew that it wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't good for me. So it took me about 10 minutes to make it to the front row, you know, maybe 20. It took me a while just to make it down to the front, you know. So then I'm just standing there, just standing there, just like, oh, buddy. Oh, <laughs> just, just, man. And then there was already, he had already, there were some other people all kind of up to the front. So then I made my way to the front, you know, and finally I'm standing there. And then uh, the pastor, he looks at me and he goes, because he could tell you, it's like, what are you doing? And uh, so I kind of did this, like, did this, like, man, I got to do this. There's something I got to say, man, I got to do this. Long story short, got up there and did it. And heaven kind of, uh, it opened. It turned out great. But, but as I was leaving and going home, you know, driving home maybe about 11 o'clock at night, uh, the Lord gave me the verse I'm about to give you. He says, if I would have asked you to do a hard thing, would you not have done it? And it comes out of this passage here in 2 Kings chapter 5. In other words, the Lord was saying, uh, what, what you were saying that I wanted you to say really wasn't for the people. What I was trying to do was bring you to a place to break something off of you. And I was trying to get you to a place of obedience to where you just cast off restraint, the Bible says. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It was so difficult, I just felt, but, but once he gave me that as I was driving, he said, if I would have asked you to do a difficult thing, would you not have done it? In other words, a lot of times what the Lord asks us to do is not difficult. It's things that we can all do, and yet we find ourselves, how many of y'all know why? It's not because we don't have the strength. Everybody say pride. 
But what's pride? Well, pride will get you. Pride will keep you from God's best blessings. It will. Pride will keep you from prayers from getting answered. He'll keep you. He'll keep. Pride keeps God's best blessings. Because a lot of times we don't want to yield, man. We don't want to. We, we, we don't want to cast off restraint, go down in front of everybody because we're thinking, man, what are people going to think? What are they gonna listen? Can I just share this with you? Ain't nobody thinking nothing. I've learned that, that, that nobody's really thinking anything. Nobody thought anything. I mean, once it was over, everybody forgot about that it happened. But for me, it was, it was the Lord trying to do something in my life uh, to, to bring me to a place to where you need to forget about, forget about, get tunnel vision, forget about some of the other things and just lock in to me. So this is a story in, in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to uh, start looking at, uh, we'll, we'll pick up in verse 9. But just to give you an idea of what's going on, there's a guy named Naaman. And uh, he's second in command to the king of Syria. Naaman's very powerful, very important to guy. You have to understand, Naaman was the guy that could get stuff done. He just knew how to get things done. In other words, the king is the king, but whenever the king really wanted to get something done, he told Naaman, he says, I want to take over this city. I want to take over this nation. I want to do this. And then the king would look to Naaman and he'd say, make it happen. Naaman was the make it happen guy. And boy, those are valuable. If you, if you own a business, you like that make it happen person, right? If you have a church, you like those people that you could just sell, make it happen, right? And, and so Naaman was very powerful and very influential and needed by the king of Syria. But so the Bible says that Naaman had won many great victories. And, uh, uh, and you can imagine what he looked like, you know, the leather and the metal and the, the sword and the biggest horse. You know, he had several hundred thousand people under his command. This guy was legitimate, right? He was, he was a legitimate force. But the Bible says even though he was a man of valor, he was a leper. And I could show you some pictures of leprosy. You know, I actually looked some up. But just for the sake of your stomach, I thought that I wouldn't do that to you. But leprosy is very degenerative. It starts just as bumps. But whenever it goes untreated, which back then it would go untreated, they would try any number of things, right? They would try potions and bombs and salves. And they would try physicians. They were practicing medicine back then, just like we still practice medicine in a lot of ways. So they would go to great lengths. And Nathan had the wealth of a kingdom at his uh, at his disposal you can imagine he's tried everything spent any number of money and the king has gone to great lengths to help rid him of this condition it starts just as bumps but within a few years it eats all your fingers off and then it eats your hand off and then you're just down to a nub it eats your it eats your feet off and these lesions take over your face to where you aren't even un, you aren't even recognizable you had to live in a commune you had to live outside the city because it was highly contagious I mean, I know you see somebody with pink eye. Well, you're like, like, don't get around me. Don't get around me. Don't get... I'll tell you, you can multiply that times a thousand. Someone with leprosy say, don't get around me. Don't get around me. Don't get around me. So he's in the early stages of this leprosy, but he knows what his future is. He knows what his future is. But he had a slave. He had a slave. He had a Jewish slave, a Jew, a girl from Israel. And this slave was, was a result of a conquest. They would go in and they would conquest a city. And they would take what, whatever they wanted out of that city. So he had a Jewish girl, a young slave, that was uh, his wife's helper. 
brush your hair. You know, you can imagine what, what, whatever this young girl would do. But the young girl tells her, her, her the Bible says it's her mistress. He tells, he, she tells the lady, she says, there is a man, there is a man in my hometown. He's a man of God. And if your husband will go see him, he will be healed of his leprosy. How many of y'all know one sentence can change a lot? Come on, you're talking about one Jewish girl, just a slave girl. Not a lot to gain, but a lot to lose. But just one sentence, she steps out and says, I know somebody that can help you. How many of the Lord's ever told you to just give one sentence to somebody and immediately you start thinking, well, what if, well, what are they, they may think I'm nuts. They may think this, let me think. I mean, how the Lord's ever told you, he said, buy them coffee, buy them lunch. Walk up to that person, invite them to church. One sentence can make a real profound effect on not just one individual, but you're going to see a whole nation was changed by one Jewish slave that just stepped out and obeyed God and did not a hard thing. I mean, I know talking's not a hard thing, right? Not a hard thing, but she just stepped out and she says, there is a man of God that can take care of this problem that, that your husband is having. So long story short, he goes to the king and he says, uh, I, need, I need permission to go see this guy. There's a man of God that supposedly can heal me of my leprosy. So we'll pick up in verse number nine and, and see what, what was asked of Naaman to do. Verse number nine, it says, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. I started at the wrong place. The king of Aram, that's right. I'm, am I doing it right? Did you have it up there right? My apologies. So Naaman went with his chariots. Yeah, I know it's right back there, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the, there it is. Okay, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots. You can imagine there's several hundred people. Naaman's on the biggest, baddest horse. He's decked out in his, what he wears, right? I mean, he has prestige. He has position. He has honor, and he's got an entourage. You know, the dust is flying. You know, chariots. I mean, my man brought chariots. I mean, there, I mean he's got a whole entourage that he's going, and the Bible says that he's bringing 150 pounds of gold, 750 pounds of silver, and 10 changes of clothes. That's what he's going to come and bring to this man that can supposedly heal him. How many of y'all think he wanted to get better bad? My man wanted to get better so bad. He wanted to get better. He knew what was coming. So he shows up with his horses, his chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha's the man of God. But it says, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. How many of y'all know that wasn't a difficult thing that he asked him to do? It wasn't difficult. I mean, you're talking about literally get on your horse, ride over to the Jordan Take off all your fancy clothes. Boy, here comes pride. Take off, get off of your high-mounted horse. Take off your leather and your metal and undo your belt that's holding up your sword here. And get down to just you. Just get down to you. Got on your white skivvies, you know, you got your long johns. If you get, get down to that, get down into the Jordan River and dip how many times? Seven times. That's it. He says, if you'll dip seven times, your skin will be restored 
and you'll be healed. Now we could agree all of that, that that's pretty easy, for, for very, very, not, not a difficult thing to do. But let's see what, uh, what his response is. And we're talking about healing here and receiving from God. He says here, he says, uh, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought that he would come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. How many of you have ever had expectations from God before? You ever thought, well, I thought that it was going to happen this way. How many of you have discovered that God doesn't, he rarely does it your way? Because if he did it your way, you wouldn't need him. This made absolutely no sense to this warrior. He says, man, I thought that, the, that he would come out and, and just wave a blessing over me. Can I tell you how many people that have come into my office and they want help with their marriage or they want help with this or they want that and they just want me or, or anybody for that matter. I've, had this, I've felt like this before. If they'll just pray for me and I want people to just wave their hand over me and almost put pixie dust. Like God's a genie and just put it over the situation and now I'm going to walk away and me and my wife are going to live in marital bliss. All the days of our life we'll frolic in the fields and, and how many of y'all know it's just not the case? It's just not the case. The way God changes things is many times he just wants you to do what you don't want to do. He'll, he'll ask you, he says, he says, I'm actually, and, and he'll tell you. How I many y'all think he'll speak to you? He'll tell you. And Naaman, he had some misguided expectations. He thought, well, I thought that it was going to go down like this. And then he starts, he starts complaining. And he actually, he says, he says, are there not cleaner rivers than the Jordan? And he starts listing rivers. He says, what about this river? And what about that river? He says, all the rivers of Damascus are cleaner than the Jordan. Why do I have to dip in the Jordan? And the Bible says that he goes away mad. But he doesn't just go away mad. He goes away a leper. His, his insubordination and his willingness to unclothe and to do what was not difficult but just was. How I many of y'all know it's not difficult but many times it's difficult. Right? It, 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 it's hard because it's things that, that we don't want to do. So the Bible says that he leaves and he goes away. And then this brings us to the verse that I wanted to share with you. But his offers, officers, this is verse 13. It says his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So smart, right? Pretty, pretty smart. Another one of those just sentences where somebody didn't have a lot to gain, but they had a lot to lose by talking to their commanding officer like that. He says, listen, what he asked you to do is not a hard thing. It's not difficult. And if he would have asked you to do something hard, you, you would have done it. My kids watch uh, Nacho Libre. How I many of know what Nacho Libre is? Nacho Libre, it's a funny, it's a comedy. It's a movie about a guy that wants to be a Mexican wrestler. And uh, he's a luchador. It's actually pretty funny. So he, he, he sews up him a suit, you know, and he makes a little, a little suit. And he's kind of rotund, you know. He's, uh, he's a healthy guy. You know, he's got some good things going for him in the kitchen. And uh, so he gets this suit and he makes this cape and he starts training. How many of y'all remember this part of the movie? Some of y'all have seen this part of the movie. So everybody's like, no, I've never seen that before. Uh, some of y'all are fans. So, 
Nacho Libre. Uh, so he starts doing some training, right? Because he's like, man, in order for me to be for, for me to be really good at this, there's some things I need to do. So he goes and he robs a bee nest, you know, this big hornet's nest. And uh, his helper rubs nasty stuff all over his face. Pretty disgusting. But then another part, it shows him climbing up the side of a mountain to an eagle's nest. <laughs> and he climbs and he gets in this eagle's nest and he takes uh, this eagle's egg and he breaks it and he's drinking the raw eagle's egg. And, he, and he's like, oh, now I'm gonna be excellent, right? Now I've done what it takes to be successful. How many of y'all know God never asked us to do that difficult of things? God doesn't say, hey, there's an answer for you. You just need to go to Israel, go to the Wailing Wall. Hey, there's an answer for you. You just got to go across the tundra and, and get you a flask of water and trudge through the desert for seven days and ride a camel to the ends of the earth. I mean, you know, God doesn't make it. He doesn't say, climb a mountain and find an eagle on his nest and shoo the evil away and eat the, 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 the golden egg, you know, or slay the dragon. I mean, you know, God never asked us to do these these feats God just asks us he says he just says listen to the still small voice he says I'll tell you what to do and he says if you'll just listen to the to the small the the whispers of God if you'll obey those then then, then profound things can happen. Sometimes it's just lifting our hands right sometimes it's whenever nobody else is kneeling in church and you just feel like, man, I feel like I should kneel. How many have ever had that before? You're like, I feel like I should just kneel. And you're like, boy, this is really hard. <laughs> you're like, the ground's right there. I mean, it's right there. I mean, I, I knelt down to put on my shoes this morning. It's just like right there, like, like literally like up, up and down. Like, like, I mean, and yet just to do just a simple, bam, just, just the smallest response to his presence. But man, if you're like me, it's been those times to where whenever I did kneel, when nobody else was kneeling, it was just like, oh, this is where it's at, right? And man, it's like heaven of it. It's like his voice. He'll just, oh man, some of the most precious times, the most wonderful times were whenever I, re whenever I worshiped God, when I didn't feel like worship, whenever I rejoiced, whenever I didn't feel like rejoicing, whenever I got up in the middle of the night. How many of y'all hate that? Oh my God, and that, that's just like, the Lord like wake you up at like three o'clock in the morning. And you're like, I'm going back to bed. And the Lord's like, I'd like to talk to you. And you say, no, <laughs> it's three in the morning. And he's like, I know. Yeah, I know. I know you've been distracted a lot lately. Really distracted. This is the only quiet time that I can seem to find with you. It's three o'clock in the morning. Get up, go in the living room, light a candle, open your Bible. Such simple instructions, such easy, not hard. I mean, it's hard because you don't feel like getting up, right? You got to find the robe and the slippers and go in there. But so God doesn't ask us to do these crazy, over-the-top things. Most of the time, he just says, wake up, do this, do that. Have, have a fight. Have you ever had a fight with your wife before? We had a little, uh, a little scuffle. You and your wife have a scuffle? Yeah, yeah we have a scuffle. And the, and the Lord said, you, you need to go ask your wife to forgive you. I said, oh, God. <laughs> Anything but that, Jesus. 
anything but that. I mean, my God, come on, just send me to an eagle's nest. I was like, I'm sure I can climb the mountain. I know I can get it out of the talons of that eagle and I'll eat the eggs, just anything but ask my wife to forgive me, right? So then you go in there and it takes you like 30 minutes just to get in there, just like it took me 30 minutes to get down to the front. And then the same thing, you do the same dance where you're just like, so, how's it going? How's your day? You know, and you finally, you know, you finally, and you finally, so I just, just had to do this. So, you know what? I was being lazy. I didn't know this. Yeah, I, I, I need you to forgive me. I mean, I know it's not a hard thing. It's just words. It's just words. It's just words. But it's the difference between a good home and a bad home. It's the difference between a good marriage and a bad marriage. It's the difference between the walls standing or the walls falling. It's the difference between going away with leprosy or going away clean. It's the, it's the difference. Just, just little adjustments. The praising when, when you don't feel like it. When it's just like, how many of and I, don't, I just speak for myself. When it comes to giving, whenever it comes to my finances, the Lord say, I, need, I want you to give this. And you say, I had plans for that money. I had plans for that. There were, well, we, had, uh, we used to uh, breed dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't find that funny, but it's funny to me now that I think about it. In order to make ends meet, we would breed dogs. We would breed puppies. It's like, we got a beautiful dog, and we need some money. Let's find our boyfriend. So we would, we would, we would, we would, we would, we would hook him up, you know, and we would, we would have, you know, uh, you could, we would make three or $4,000. And there were, in one of the litters, I said, I'm breeding, I'm breeding my dog because I want, there was a particular four-wheeler I really wanted. It was a Honda Rubicon. I said, man, I really want that Honda Rubicon. So we bred the dogs, we sold the dogs, and I had like $4,000. And I, I went to, we were having some type of something at the church. They're building a gym or something. You can imagine how this story goes. And the Lord said, I want you to give that money to the, to the, to the building. Oh, my God. <laughs> my dog suffered for that money. So. I've picked out the color and everything. I've done everything. You've got to be kidding me. Lord, Lord, not, no, 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 no. I mean, I know it wasn't going to make me. It wasn't going to break me. It was, it was lanyap. I was going to spend it on a four-wheeler. So what I do? So, okay. I'll let, would you know that I bred the dog again, and he did it to me the second time? Second time. I want you to give that money. I want you to give that money away. The third time, somebody gave me the four-wheeler. And I didn't have to, I, somebody gave it to me. And, I wasn't, and that's not why I gave it. You know, I gave it because the Lord just asking me to dip. Not one time. Not two times. Seven times. I mean, I know sometimes we stop too short. We think, oh, well, I showed up at church. Or, oh, well, I did this. Or, oh, well, I did that. But, you know, God requires it many times. He wants us to go around Jericho how many times? Seven times you got to go around Jericho. But how many of y'all glad that whenever you do, I was so glad after I got up and, and I stood in front of the church, you know, and I did what he wanted me to do, and it was agonizing to get up there and to do all of it. But man, once I, once I did it, man, the Lord just showed me things I'm still processing uh, about uh, what, what that did for me. Whenever, whenever I gave the Rubik, the full wheeler money away, I'm still, there's still waves that that reciprocate that, that that the ripple of that years ago is still resonating through my life 
And there's been other times since then, many times the Lord's asked me financially to do things and the Lord will bring me back to those other moments when the walls fell. Whenever I came up out of the water and the leprosy was gone. God's always good to remind you about those things. But how many of y'all know you're going to the promised land? He'll, he'll, many times he'll require you to do not big, difficult things, but just small things. He'll, he'll ask you to respond. You say, well, what's that have to do with healing? Everything has everything to do with healing. Because not all healings are just the waving of a hand. Wouldn't it be nice if they all were? Boy, the, it would be, it would be, it, the church would be packed. The hospitals would be empty if, there was just, if all healings were just a waving of the hand. Just If it was just like naming, well, well, I thought that I could live however I wanted to live. And I could stay on my high horse and, and wear my clothes and my prestige. I thought that I could keep going this direction and living my life and not thinking about anything but, but my kingdom. I thought and that he was just going to do this over my life. And all of a sudden, my marriage and my relationships and my kids and my finances and everything. Everything was just going to be amazing. I thought, I mean, I know you're thinking. God, does, thinking can really, it can, it can stifle you. God just wants us to do some small, small little things. And I'll finish with, it says, So Naaman went down to the Jordan, and he dipped seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Everybody say heal. Come on, healing is here. Just through obedience. I gave you your worship guide, and I haven't mentioned much about it. I didn't give you a lot of points today, you know, that all start with the letter R. Sometimes <laughs> it's, you know, three points in a poem. I just gave you write your own notes today. But, but I did give you, uh, uh, I think, one blank there that just says, God will rarely do it our way, but then the title of the message is just willing faith. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you'll get the best that the earth yields. Have you ever seen that scripture before? It's a great scripture. It says if you're willing and obedient, New King James says you'll eat the good of the land. I love the translation that says you'll get the best that the earth yields. But I mean, I know you've got to be willing and obedient. So we're just talking about having willing faith. But I want to pick back up. I want to, I want to finish this. Because after his skin came up like a long, young child. It says then Naaman and his entire party. How many of y'all know that he, he did this in front of an audience? How many of y'all know we're really good Christians behind closed doors? Sometimes. Sometimes we're really bad Christians behind closed doors, right? But a lot of times whenever the Lord wants us to step out. And, and invite somebody to church or step out and pray for somebody, you know. The Lord will prompt you like somebody's hurting or somebody says, you should, you should pray for them. You should ask for forgiveness. Boy, it's, it's tough sometimes to step out. Well, Naaman, he, he unclothed, right? He did this in front of all of his guys, a couple hundred thousand guys, and, and he did it. How many of y'all think he's glad that he did? Amen. Oh, my God, he's so glad that he did. It says his entire party, they went back to find the man of God and they stood before him and Naaman said, now I know, what a great verse, y'all got it up there? Now I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. 
So please accept a gift from your servant. Can I just say this? That many times we're wanting God to heal physical problems in our life. But God's always after our heart. Thank God, name it, he came up with new skin. But how much better that he came up with a new heart. He came up with a new God. He came up with a new understanding. He had been bowing down and worshiping this God, Remnon. That was his God. That's who he would bow down to. But he just got a brand new king. Come on, he gets a new king. Whenever you step out and do these small things that God asks of you. A lot of times for me, I was thinking, oh no, what's going to happen? I was thinking about the physical. But once I got in my car, the Lord started showing me. I was doing more in your heart than I was doing in your body. That's really what God was after. God's after our motives. He's after our heart. He's after us unclothing of our reputation. I mean, y'all know Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus made himself of no reputation, despising the shame. Come on, they stripped him down to nothing, spat on him, pulled out his beard. Why did he do that? He just, he just took it. How I many y'all know he just took it? He just took it. He made himself of no reputation. So Naaman here, he, 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 uh, he comes back and he says, put it back up there. There it is. He says, I know that there's no other God in all the world except Israel. So please accept this gift. So now he starts trying to give him all this money and, and he won't take it. Uh, that, so it says, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. And then Naaman said, all right with me. But he says, all right, but please allow me to load two mules with earth from this place. And I will take it back home with me. Isn't that amazing? He says, just give me, give me two mules worth of earth. What did he want to do? He wanted to take that earth home with him and make him an altar with it. Say, this is the place where everything changed for me. He wanted to stand on that ground and remember what God did in his life. What no sorcery or no magic or no money or no power, no prestige, what nothing else could do. He wanted to stand on that earth and say, God did this for me. It's all about him. And then he goes on. He says, he says from now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Ramon to worship there, and he leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. And Elisha said, go in peace. What a great... I mean, I think one sentence from a Jewish girl changed, started something that changed, changed, changed so much. One small thing. Come on, I mean, I think the Lord just tell you one small thing. One act of obedience to Naaman changed everything. Just go dip in dirty water. There, yeah, but there's other ways to do it. It's, there's cleaner water. No, just go dip. If you'll go dip. Not once, but if you'll dip seven times, you'll come up just small, small, small things.